Our scripture text is from Genesis chapter 4, picking up where we left off last week at verse 17. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mehujael, and Mehujael fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, the name of the other Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth... Also, a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's uh, pray together. Father, we ask that today you would speak from your word. We believe that you do this, that when your word is rightly preached, your voice is heard. So let us hear your voice today. Amen. This world can be a dangerous place for people who love Jesus, right? In fact, Jesus predicted that danger would follow those who follow him. John, uh, or Ma Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Luke 21, verse 17, he said, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. John 15, verse 20, he said, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So Jesus made it clear for people who follow him, people who trust God, people who, who, uh, people who love the Lord, this world can be, will be dangerous. That's, that's what I want to talk about today, the danger. Actually, I want to talk about two things. First, I want to talk about the danger in this world for those who serve the Lord, the danger in this world. And then secondly, I want to talk about our protection from that danger. All right, so the danger and our protection. We'll start with the danger. This summer, we're studying the opening chapters of the Old Testament book of Genesis. That's the very first book in the Bible. And we saw that God created the world and he made the very first human beings, placed them in that world, Adam and Eve. And then we saw how Adam and Eve rebelled against the creator. They, they disobeyed God's world, uh, word. And guys, the, the moment they did that, the moment they turned their back on God, this world became a dangerous place uh, in which to serve the Lord. It just became dangerous. We saw that last week. Pastor Jeffrey talked about how Adam and Eve had two sons. The older son was named Cain. Cain was a man who 
even though he went through the, the motions of worshiping, he didn't really love God. In fact, I, I appreciated how Pastor Jeffrey made clear last week, Cain hated God, right? He just hated him. The younger brother uh, was named Abel, and Abel was a man of faith. He was a man, both, both his life and his worship met with God's approval. So there was Cain, there was Abel. What happened? Cain killed Abel. A Abel was killed by his brother. So that's what the Bible tells us. The very first righteous worshiper of God recorded in Scripture paid for that with his life. He was killed. Cain killed Abel. Then what happened? Cain prospered. The wicked prospered what we see in today's passage. In the, today's passage is a genealogy. It's a, the account of the lineage, the family line of this man Cain. And we see what happened in his history. Cain had a son and then Cain built a city and he named that city after his son. You've seen the, uh, the bumper stickers that people have. It says, my child is an honor student, right, at such and such a school. Well, listen, uh, the city that Cain built, that was kind of his bumper sticker. Right? That was his way of boasting to, to the world. His way of just saying, my kid is a winner. I named a city after him. In fact, my whole family is a family of winners. That was, that was his way of boasting to the world. And some of you play sports. In, in, in the world of sports, they say, um, it's not trash talk if you can back it up. Right? You know how guys talk on the field? and They say, if, if you can back it up, you can actually play that well. It's not trash talk. Well, when Cain uh, named this city after his son, boasting to the whole world about how great his family was, it wasn't trash talk. Why? Because he could back it up. I mean, let, you look at this, the family of Cain. Guys, they really were winners. I mean, they really were. His one descendant, a guy named Jabal, chapter, verse 20, he's a man who apparently made great advances in the science of agriculture. He's the, he's, he, it says he's the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother, Jubal, excelled in the arts. Verse 21 says, he was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. He's kind of like the world's first rock star, Jubal. And then their half-brother, Tubal-Cain, I guess you would call him a technological whiz kid. He just invented stuff no one ever thought of. Verse 22, he's the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. He's the one who invented metallurgy. So he's the one who invented plows. He's the guy who invented hammers. He's the guy who invented pruning hooks. He's the guy who invented swords and spears and weapons for killing people. And that was the family of Cain. They were just a family of winners. A students, starting quarterbacks, prom queens. That's who they were. They were smart. They were successful. They were prosperous. They were all those things. But they weren't good. If you read uh, the, this account of Cain's lineage and you count the generations from Adam, um, you come, you come to this guy, number seven from Adam. His name was Lamech. And uh, what's interesting is you're counting towards Lamech. You notice that there's all these weird names that are mentioned. One name that is never mentioned as you're counting through the generations. 
is the name of God. You, you never read about God in the whole account of, of Cain's family line, which it, it, actually, if you read on into chapter 5, it stands in stark contrast. You get into chapter 5, there's another genealogy, the line of Seth. And in, in the line of Seth, several times the name of God is mentioned. People who walk with God, people who talk about God. But in Cain's line, you never read of anyone praying, everyone worshiping, any, anyone even talking about God at all. But you count down through the line, you get to number 7. Here's this guy named Lamech. He is he is person, the seventh from Adam in the line of Cain. The number seven was very significant when this was written. In the, in the ancient Hebrew mindset, uh, they're, they're really, uh, they would make a lot of numerology. Seven is the number of completeness. It's the number of fullness. And so number seven in Cain's line is the one that just gives us a picture of the fullness of what that family was all about, Lamech. What was Lamech like? Well, you read about him, he's very confident, apparently very strong, had a lot of women. First guy to have two wives in con contradiction to the way God designed marriage. And he's a guy who just kind of boasted about how he could intimidate, dominate other men. So he actually sings a song uh, in verse 23 and 24, and the lyrics of the song, all about how many women he's got and how he can beat down other guys. That, those kind of lyrics did not start with gangster rap, all right? They go way back to that day. And here's the song. He says, Ada and Zilla, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to me. I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, Lamech's is 77-fold. That he just rejoiced in the way he got the women, he beat the men, he ran the world. And that is person number seven, number of fullness, seventh in the line of Cain from Adam, who, who just personifies what that family's all about. And that's how they were. They were bold, they were assertive, they were strong, and they ran the world. Now, into that world, dominated by this family of Cain, a little boy named Seth was born. You read about him in, in verse 25. It says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. Now, when Seth was born, his mother, Eve, um, spoke a word of prophecy over her baby boy's life. She speaks prophetically about Seth. She says, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, or in the place of Abel, for God killed him. So basically, she's saying to her little baby, she's saying, Seth, God gave you to me, and his purpose is for you to stand in the place of Abel, you go take his place. Like she's, like she's saying to her, her son, listen, Seth, here's my expectation. This is God's call on you. I want you to grow up to be just like your brother Abel. God's call on your life is to be a man of faith, a man who's righteous, a man who serves the Lord. You've been given to replace Abel. Can you, can you imagine how Seth felt as he grew up and, word, and learned that those words of prophecy had been spoken over him. He's like, Mom, are you crazy? You want me to grow up to take the place of 
Abel, you want me to be like Abel? Mom, do you know what happens to people like Abel in this world? Don't you remember? It was a dangerous world for people who served the Lord. And I wonder, I wonder what aspects of life in your world make it dangerous to follow Jesus Christ. Now, we're all, we're all aware that there are parts of this planet where uh, we have brothers and sisters in Christ, hundreds of thousands of them, who live every day with not, not just thoughts of opposition, but real violent political, sometimes uh, opposition, sometimes it even leads to their death, all right? But I'm not talking about them right now. What about, what about you? Listen, um, there are certain truths that are clearly taught in the Bible that are detestable in our culture. And if you just hold to those truths, you don't have to go around shouting them, but you just hold to them and believe them and you don't compromise. Um, if that gets out what you believe, some, some of you are in professions, or maybe you're in universities or schools, where, for example, um, here's one, a truth in the Bible. The Bible teaches very clearly what you would call the exclusivity of Christ, which means that faith in Jesus is the only way for anyone to escape hell and be forgiven and received by God. The only way. The Bible teaches that. Some of you are in professions that if, you're, if, uh, if your colleagues knew that you believed that, um, that might affect you professionally. Like the, the guy recently, there was a Christian man being, um, had been nominated for a federal position and he was examined by the, the, uh, the subcommittee of the Senate. He was, he was scolded by U.S. senators for believing that Jesus is the, just recently, Jesus is the only way to God. You might face that. Another truth in the Bible, just so counterculture, what the Bible, what the Bible teaches very clearly about God's design for gender and for human sexuality. Um, so if you're in a public high school today, or in a secular university, and it's just known that you believe that. You don't have to go around hating people. It's just that you believe what the Bible teaches. You will be ostracized. So um, you can kind of relate to Seth, can't you? Born into a world where if you just, you don't have to, you don't have to be in anyone's face. You just stand for God. It, it can be dangerous. But you, know, you know some people that could really relate to this story in, in Genesis chapter 4. Some people who really could relate to this story are the very first people who heard this. Um, the, the book of Genesis was written by Moses, and as far as we know, he wrote the book of Genesis af after the exodus, after the, um, the Israelites escaped their slavery in Egypt while they were in the wilderness. And if you know the, the history of, of the ancient Hebrews, during their, that time of, when they were in the wilderness, the one thing that caused them fear more than anything else, just kept them awake at night, was the thought that someday God was going to call them to enter into the promised land, right? And, and the promised land was people who had advanced technology, more advanced than the technology they had, people who had built huge cities, people, people who were known for their violence, people who did not fear God, people who didn't, didn't want a bunch of immigrants like the Israelites coming into, into their land. In, in, in other words, the, the promised land was filled with people just like the Canaanites. And, and they, they must have heard, when they first heard this story from Moses, they must have said, wait a minute, 
God is calling us to enter a world just like the one into which Seth was born, the world that killed Abel. God is calling us to go into the same kind of place. World of danger. It's always been that way for anyone who follows Christ. Always. So that's the danger. Now, my second thought, our protection against this danger you, you notice at the end of the passage that little Seth grows up and he starts his own family, right? It says, verse 26, to Seth also a son was born and he called his name Enosh. So Seth began his own lineage, his own family line. And here's a question for you as we look at this. What did the family of Seth do to protect themselves from the family of Cain? What did they do to protect themselves from the, the, this, the family of Cain? Well, Cain, Cain built a city, so they built a city, right? The, the, the Cainites had technology, so the Sethites developed technology, right? The, the Cainites were violent people, so the, the family of Seth, they trained for warfare. They learned how to fight back. Is that, that's, listen, that's not what they did. It doesn't say that. That's not what they did. Guys, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Those who follow God do not defend themselves using the weapons of the world. So what, what did the family of Seth do to defend themselves? It says, verse 26, to Seth also was born a son. He called his name Enosh. And then it says this, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. What was their protection? They began to call Upon the name of the Lord. We're not given a lot of detail. We're not exactly sure what that. What does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord? It, it, uh, it, it could mean prayer, that they just began to pray. Cry out to God in prayer. Help us, Lord. Look at the world we live in. Sometimes that phrase in the Old Testament, to call upon the name of the Lord, means corporate worship. So it could have been in this primeval world. Can you imagine men and women gathering together in the midst of all this violence just to say, we're going to worship God together. Or, or the word to call upon could be translated proclaim. So it, it could have been, you know, just like, like the Canaanites were exalting their own name, naming cities after themselves. Here's a group of men and women who said, no, we're going to exalt the name of Yahweh, the name of God. I think it probably means all those things. They began to pray. They began to worship. They began to lift up the name of the Lord. That was their protection. And I would imagine when the Canaanites saw that, they just laughed. <laughs> Are you kidding? We're going to eat you guys for lunch. That's what you're trusting in? Where's your swords? Where's your spears? Where's your city? The name of the Lord? Palm Sunday this, this year. Um, uh, there was a bomb that exploded in a church in Egypt, packed with worshipers. Forty-five 
Christian brothers and sisters died that day? How did the, the Egyptian Christians respond to that? Did they stage a national demonstration, march through the streets, riot, burn things down? No. They just prayed and worshipped. In fact, that, that, ver that very evening, the night of Palm Sunday, the, 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 there was a, 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 a priest named Bulas George, Christian priest, who gathered his congregation together, not, apparently not far from where the bombs went off. And, and the TV cameras from the Egyptian news stations came to, to broadcast it. What are these Christians going to say? How are they going to fight back? How are they gonna, what are they going to do to defend themselves? And this, and this humble priest stood before his congregation. And first, because he knew the, the TV cameras were there, he looked at the cameras and he addressed ISIS, the ones who had claimed uh, responsibility for the bombing. And he said to ISIS, oh, how I long to talk to you about our Christ. How wonderful he is. And then he looked at the men and women, boys and girls in his church, and he said, brothers and sisters, let us make a commitment to pray for them. And you know how ISIS responded? They laughed. At least I imagine they did. Because they didn't repent. They didn't stop bombing. They didn't lay down their arms, just like the Canaanites. They just laughed. The world laughs at people of faith when, 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 they, when the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the flesh, but just humble, trusting in God, calling on his name. The world laughs at that. But what happened? Well, if you read on into chapter 5, um, a number of generations later in this line of Seth, another little baby boy was born. His name was Noah. Have you heard of Noah? You know what happened with little Noah? The Canaanites, with all their power, all their wealth, all their sophistication, all their technology were just washed away in a flood of God's wrath. And listen, through Noah, the family line of Seth was preserved. And guys, this is the promise that God has made through the centuries to those who will trust in him. Pro Proverbs 18 verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Now it doesn't mean that we won't suffer. doesn't mean that we won't be persecuted. Jesus said that many of us may have to pay with our lives. But it does mean this. That when the flood of God's wrath comes through, God will preserve for eternity those who trust in him. And how do we know that's true? Because many generations after Seth, many generations after Noah, God placed another helpless little baby boy in this dangerous world. Not Seth's son, not Noah's son. God put his own son here. Not to destroy the world but to live here and love people here and take the very worst the world could give him. And Jesus did that, guys. He took the worst the world could offer and he did it for us that we might be forgiven and accepted into God's family. 
And then he rose again. And so, as a community of people who are called to stand for God, no matter what price we have to pay, we just have to trust this. We have a, if we have a God who loves us enough to give his son for us, and who's strong enough to raise him from the dead, we never have to doubt his love. We never have to doubt his power. And so we just, just like those primeval people, we can't even imagine what life was like back then. We just stand in this world together and we call on the name of the Lord. Amen? Let's, let's pray. We thank you and we praise you, our loving Father, for your faithfulness to us no matter what we face. Would you please grant us grace to keep trusting and for the sake of Christ to call on your name. Amen.